0: Every business, whether or not they realize it, is an idea business. The people at Gray have a long history of creating famously effective ideas. And so, with Gray Matter, we explore the ideas shaping our world. We ask creative minds, from all corners of life, how they came up with their best ideas. And that's what matters for Gray Matter. On this bonus series of Gray Matter, we're going to examine what makes a great idea. Hi. I'm John Petrolis, Worldwide Chief Creative Officer at Gray, and we're taking a closer look at some of the ideas we featured on this podcast through the lens of the creative criteria we use at Gray. The creative criteria is our simple way of looking at and interrogating an idea to help make sure you got a great one. And Today, we're looking at our fourth and final pillar, audacity. That means this is an exciting one. For an idea to take off and actually break through You have to look for audacity in both the ambition of the idea and in how it's expressed. Because when an idea is surprising but inevitable, simple, and well-crafted, it'll be good. But when it's also audacious, it has a chance to actually break through and change things. Some of the ideas we've discussed on the show already embody that audacious spirit. Ideas like DDP yoga, created by a pro wrestler who at age 40 was told he'd never be an athlete again and went on to create a successful yoga program. Or Ad Color, the first award show created to celebrate diversity in the creative and technology industries and started as the founder's emotional epiphany that led to meaningful change. Or Flyest Fables, a critically acclaimed fictional hope punk anthology that tells stories for Black youth whose creator wanted a way to connect with his nephew and tell stories that put people like him as the hero. Well, today I'm talking to Gray New York Chief Creative Officer Justine Armour about ideas that capture that same spirit both in and out of advertising. And I can't think of anyone better to talk to about it. Justine is a close colleague and friend who joined us at Gray in early 2020, about two weeks before the pandemic sent all of us into our homes. She's instinctively audacious in her work and has proven to be audacious with her leadership and creative vision, despite never being in the same room with most of the people she's leading. In this conversation, we attempt to find the definition of audacity for creative minds. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Here's Justine.
1: Well, it's about it's. I mean, it's my favorite. When you told me about that criteria, I mean, it was such a perfect, you know, encapsulation of like what work should do. And but I think an audacity element is what makes work really noticeable. You know, it's the, you know, what it's the definition is a willingness to take bold risks, which is like the best clients will always and the best creative talent you know, are the ones who ask for that and who bring that to you uh, in the work. And that's the work that usually has the greatest impact. And the other definition that I also love is rude or disrespectful behaviour, which is actually how I show <laughs> <Love> up. That. <laughs> that's an Australian. That sort of feels like it fits <laughs> who I am. Okay. Um, but I think, you know, It's such a, I mean, it's so crucial to have a boldness and uh, and, uh, in in your ambition. If you don't have that as an ambition, it's sort of the work falls among the noise.
0: When even as a creative person, as creative people, I think even the creative act is audacious, just to start with. I think especially when you're starting out, the feeling of I've got something to say is kind of an audacious thing. Because that is, the world doesn't always encourage that or, or tell you that or value that. I, I think audacity is at the center of, of creative expression anyway. Uh, you know what yeah, I mean? Just
1: daring to be there.
0: Yes, that's right. Just, yeah, daring to be there.
1: In the, just decide, yeah, yeah i got something to bring to this.
0: When you read something or you watch something, or I, I think about this a lot with music. When, how many musicians do people fall in love with that on the surface you would not think "Mm, that's a voice that should be out in the world heard all the time (laughs) or, or the the way that they play guitar, the way that, that it isn't because it is, it's all, it was audacious at some point for Bob Dylan to say, I'm going to, I think I should, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a singer. Listen to this voice. I'm going to be a singer and how, but then how the world reacts to that act of, uh, I think it's such a big part of the expression, but also the world, I think the world loves audacity.
1: Well, it's the, it's the bravery to express a truth and, and to be authentic. And I think that's really true of the musicians that you talk about. It's the, it's the vulnerability that is really inspiring to people. And I think that's what you talk, you know, when you come into a creative department, you come into the work, to sort of put something, uh, you know, unformed in front of other people and say, this is what I think. It's kind of this shit is what I think, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it's yeah. like there's a, there's such a – it's so like, it's kind of lovely and it's um, scary and especially at the beginning of your career or your your beginning of being a creative person. And, you know, I'm sure in any industry putting something out there that's, that's you is – incredibly brave
0: like how did you find your audacity how did you find that in yourself because some people find it right away some people yeah. just want to be I just want to be good and then they they hit a level where they're like no I, I actually want to break past that and do something more how did it happen for you how'd you find it
1: well I think you know I kind of grew up in in creative departments in Australia where it's it's not a litigious place you know it's not a it's not at all. Like, it's like you live in this, in these place, you know, and the culture of creative departments, you know, the people that you're around, I think they're just trying to say the most heinous shit to you to make you laugh, to make each other laugh. And it was just like, that's like the culture there, yes. you know. And um, And so you're around people who just are unfiltered. So that's amazing. But also being a girl in a creative department where there aren't very many girls, you're adapting to mm. that and trying to hang with everyone and that so you kind of like learn that muscle. and then i come to the states and i'm in a it's like a totally different culture people are way more filtered but remain more careful around you and you need to be more careful about how you talk and i think um but also then i found truth in you know my experience that went into the work that felt like it was actually more authentic, actually, like than just sort of how I would say things and like the, being the most ridiculous person in yeah. the room. You know, it's like the, the, the audacity came from, you know, bringing just, yeah, like more of my personal experience into the work and my personal observations. And I think that's probably the, the most successful work I've done is like when I've had, when that's been true in the work. Um, but I think that... You have to have. It's really I don't know, like how to how to balance it because I think that that instinct. So you you need to have a culture of of openness in a creative department. You have to be able to say things that are a bit wrong sometimes, or you know, and I think are a bit you know a bit ridiculous because that's when you know everyone brings their piece to it, and then you shape something that turns into something cool. But um. And I, I don't know, I think there's, I sometimes struggle, you know, in America, like with the, just the carefulness of, that we are, that that there is around in the creative department. I, and mm. I wonder sometimes how how to get, how to cultivate that culture of being, a, being more forthright and more audacious and in our thinking and what we say because there's, you know, do you know what I mean? It's like,
0: yes. I'm, I maybe know what you mean because I grew up here, and yeah. and there is I grew up in the Midwest, so there's even yeah. more of a, a culture of uh, being careful in a way. And but the need for freedom, and the need to be able to say and do things that others may not be comfortable with, or as long as it is not a personally offensive thing. Yeah. Um. I think is, is terrible. Of course, that's where the line is. I guess is yes. constantly trying to figure that out. Absolutely. But that's where. <laughs> but, but, but it's it's where great because in the middle is where everyone else is. And so if you're not finding the far edges of things, um, you're probably not finding something that's going to stand out, or be seen or noticed, or that that people are going to be
1: drawn to. Yeah. And you have to be willing to say, what others haven't said. You know. I think yeah. that's the yeah. It's also the, you know, the heart comedy, right? It's like expressing a truth, like, or rage in a a way that hasn't been said before. And that people recognize, you know, it's like, that's kind of like the the best of great creative ideas too. It's like something that's, you know, it's a cliche, something that people already know to be true that no one has said before.
0: That's an interesting thing then, because we know that that's compelling, People are deeply drawn to it. Like you just said, it's the heart of every great comedian. Often, what they're doing is they're just saying a truth that others—not. I don't want to minim- <laughs> minimize the art yeah. form, but yeah. That, yeah, yeah, that's all you do. Just do it. <laughs> Go be famous, people. Uh, but is is finding a truth and just being? I'm the one willing to say it. I'm going to yeah. say what you all know and what you all think, and and, but but people love it. We're drawn to it. We pay money to go hear somebody say something that we might even know. So what, what do you think the, it's just an interesting phenomenon. What, Why aren't we all audacious all the time? Why, what do you think holds us, especially in, in our creative pursuits, holds, holds people back from that?
1: Well, not everyone has that, holds that to be true of good work. So, you know, some people just think it's about craft. <laughs> some people just think it's about design. Some people think it's about a clever line or a pun or something. And I think, but for me, you know, the work that where I recognize something that I know to be true and I, yeah, I feel that work more, you know, and I think, um, I think I've been thinking back a little bit about the work that I've made in the past. That's been, you know, maybe not like awards. I've actually not, I should, I should stop saying that. I, I, I made this campaign when I was a few years ago. I was writing this general account called Secret and I made this campaign that was, you know, like a few a few different like batches of spots and other things. And I say it wasn't successful because it didn't win at can, but like won every other show. But I, <laughs> in my mind I'm like, yeah, yeah. So um, but it was, you know, the all of the stories were the story, you know, that could only really have been made by a team where a woman was leading mm-hmm. because they were about very specific um, experiences, like stress type, stress-related experiences of being a young woman, like asking for a raise, like telling uh, your partner or like you know pitching an idea and having to feel like the, the pressure of being perfect like telling your partner that you're not gonna you've decided you're not gonna have a baby there's like there was one about proposing to a boy and they were all like um things that my team you know had experienced personally or I had experienced personally and like putting this sort of personal story into that work and like young women were like really into like the response to this work was like really phenomenal yeah. really connected with people nobody had really shown that kind of thing before and yes. um and I think that's like it was one of those moments where I was like oh maybe I do have some stuff here I can bring this. yeah and also I can also it, now I speak from a very you know from a from personal experience that like when you do bring when you're brave enough to bring this you know humiliating story of asking for a raise to the to to an ad. Maybe it won't be powerful for someone.
0: You just said something made me want to ask. Audacity and leadership. Let's talk about, the, and we'll come back to ideas. Because you, you've said a couple times now, these are things that you led, that you were helping mm-hmm. people find that. And so that takes not just, I think not just searching with them, but creating an environment or leading in a way that people can sense that the boundaries are, or wider yeah. than maybe they thought and make room. How do you, how, how does that play into the way that you lead and, and the way that you look at teams and, and try to help them?
1: As somebody who wasn't, who was like the diversity hire on and pretty much every job that I've ever had, um, you know, the experience of that um, has made me realise that you don't have to be fully qualified. I don't have to hire fully qualified person or the person doesn't have a a perfect book for me to know that they will get to the point that they can get to, you know? I think that maybe that's a, it's a pretty, I know that it's an, it's a, in my previous, you know, jobs, I've been really fearful of hiring someone who wasn't like already demonstrating that they could do all the things I need to them to do to make me successful. Whereas now I'm like, okay, I feel I feel confident enough and I feel like uh, accomplished and established enough that I can give other people chances. You know, I think that's a really, uh, I think that you have to have reached a certain point to have that kind of confidence too. You have to have enough runs on the board to say, I'm going to, I'm confident to give somebody else a chance.
0: Um, All right. I'm making a note right now because I'm realizing as you're saying that, is helpful thank you for and more for me maybe than our listeners who knows the the we've given very specific definitions to simplicity like that is yeah. defined as in the sense specific definition to craft perfect expression of the idea I haven't really given it what our definition of audacity is yeah we, we it's like there's a general accepted okay audacity everyone loves this this area and everyone loves this one and feels it, but you, you kind of just said something that it was, I'm not sure I'm going to have exactly the words, but it's almost, it's moving beyond what is safely accepted. Maybe like mm-hmm. that, that's the, the shift that of course, you, you know, and can identify great talent by what it's accomplished. And that is, mm-hmm. that's a great way to, to know. And But that is kind of an accepted way to know. And and you're talking about moving into a different way of identifying talent.
1: Yeah, it's like almost I'm thinking more about the potential and sort of the future. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think having especially having leaders in the business that are that are coming from a place where they have felt like not, you know, like they were uh, lucky to be there, you know, having the felt experience of being the other will make, you know, now that I have a little more control and I can get, I can build a team and I can, you know, I know that I, I can create a comfortable environment for the people who might otherwise feel that, you know, I know what the experience of that is. So it's really important to me. That's the most important thing. And I think that that's probably also why I show up quite casually as a leader. Like I try and create an environment around me that feels loose, where everyone, you know, it's not formal. I'm never formal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really, that's, that, that's really intentional. I'm trying to create a, a just a, an energy around me where people can feel at ease. Everyone can feel at ease. So, and something you know, I pay for that too. I pay for that. You know, I pay, I, I know that some people don't call that gravitas <laughs> but it's very intentional. Um, and uh, and I think that's you know that is me my vulnerability is all is audacious, I think.
0: I think it's again that's why I'm liking the maybe our maybe we're creating the definition of what our specific yeah. definition for audacity will be is that it isn't I think it in inherent in that word and what get, often gets many of us excited when we talk about it, is the idea of. Um, a little bit of outrageousness, a little not caring about the norms, breaking beyond that, but it's actually more considered because like you just said, vulnerability is an act of audacity in the in the position of leadership. For example, it's pretty yeah. audacious to show up that way and be willing to show up that way. It doesn't show up as outrageous, but it is moving off the accepted norm mm-hmm. moving off the safe norm and and often that is, of course, where great things happen, unusual things happen, and new things happen. Yeah. Um, so a big part of it, too, when we talk about it, we always we break it down, audacity and ambition and execution. So mm-hmm. let's talk about audacity and ambition, because you hear a lot, like, oh, I just want to do great work. Yeah, I want to do great work, or I want to have a great idea. You know, a lot of people on the podcast have started businesses and, um, but having the audacity and the ambition—what's that? What when you? What does that mean to you?
1: To me, it usually means, uh, you know, we talk about like brands that cut, cut through culture. You know, it's the how do you make a how do you make the work get on the news? I mean, that is just, you know, ads ads don't belong on the news. Brands don't belong on the news. Like, and I think that's getting getting talked about in the news and getting talked about in, you know, earning that unfair, unpaid share of voice out in culture is the goal, right? And so, you know, we've, I've been thinking about this a lot because we've had a few Super Bowl things that we've been working on. And, you know, I'd always, it really surprises me when clients just want to make a good ad for the, for the media buy because that's not really, I don't think that's the goal. It shouldn't be the goal. It should be, how do you get, in the conversation the week before and the week after, how do you, like, how do you t- take that by and turn it into a massive conversation about you? And so uh, that's always, I think it's always like the audacity, like the ambition should always be that the that the, the, the thing that you're making has a life out in a conversation that it spurs or it's part of that's, you know, that's way bigger than it. Than it. And I think that's the stuff. That's all you need tension. You need to, like, pick a fight that you can win, that you're on the right side of, you know? And I think saying something that's provocative or, or siding with someone that you might not have sided with, or I think that's, that's to me the ultimate. That's yes. It.
0: I've told this story many times that, because it's something I really learned early on. I was working once I was, I was working really late. So I was just starting out and I, we were trying to solve this, you know, I was probably on my like 100th script. I was working for Jerry Graff at the time and just couldn't crack this thing. And it was, it was literally probably like midnight. We had an idea and we just started cracking. It was it was a ridiculous, terrible idea, but we burst out laughing and literally Jerry's head pops over. What do you got? I was <laughs> like, oh, yeah. like, no one's going to, if we have something really stupid, you know, no one's, this isn't an answer. He said, like, what is it? You're laughing. What is it? And so we told him, and it was that like, you're laughing, and that is ridiculous. So that's the answer. Now, how do we yeah. make that answer make sense? And it it literally t- didn't take much. We didn't have to change the auda- the ridiculousness of the answer. Just a, with a little bit, it it was absolutely yeah. the answer.
1: It's a little logic bridge. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so not so letting yourself be there, letting letting your letting the answers. Exist wherever they need to exist, and pull, and then, but don't pull them back. Let them live there, and just make sure that the how it's executed or how it's expressed is what is what answers it. Because again, the world yeah. loves it. Then the world love. I, I really believe this. The world loves audacious actions. Yeah. They love audacious people, they love audacious statements. You know.
1: It's it's contrast, right? It's like try doing something new or, you know, like, you know, like what you said when musicians like totally change direction and you're like, why don't leave the thing that's safe. Like why, you know, but like then they go and then it becomes this breathtaking thing. And I think even sometimes like with architecture, you see like a really, like an old house and they build like a really modern like extension on it and it just looks, it's so fucking cool. I think there's like that in all art. Forms. and if advertising as well, it's like that's there's like a an artfulness in the contrast that we make that's that becomes memorable. And even if the core idea isn't something that's like something maybe that has an audacity to it, but you can still execute with audacity when you just me- mess with the elements.
0: That's the other part. That's the other half of it that we always talk about is audacity and execution. And yeah. I think you you just hit on the importance of, you talked about, it's the, the the tension or the opposite nature, the contrast of maybe the idea and how it's brought to life. Uh, and also maybe the expectation, like your architecture example, if done well and done with with the right level of taste, is so much more memorable, so much more exciting, and so much more inspiring.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the thing. There's like, this real an unwritten, unwritten rule that you don't like f- with objects of history you know like and I think that's the same like with with the work that we do like a, a truth that's enduring it's always been true that you make, you kind of bring to life in a modern way. You know, there's been work that we've done before I was here, like the Gillette thing about toxic masculinity. Like you're taking like a a truth that is not spoken about in advertising and acknowledging that a brand might have had something to do with this and refreshing that conversation and having it in a way that's like really provocative, I think is cool. And I think the best work does it, you know. I think in my own work, I we we I made a thing for Old Spice, like I don't know how years ago now, called Mom's Song, which is like really a truth about my own mother's like a kind of possessiveness over my my brothers, and they didn't like it because they have girlfriends, and you know there's always a problem with the girl, and you know, and that's where it started. Because the brief is about you know it's with, with some spray to young guys that their mothers really buy it and there was that conversations about that and I think uh you know the same you know there's been other work that we've done this year I think that's been that's had that too like there's like a tr- deep truth to it that's that's kind of c- comes to life in a fresh way
0: yes I'm gonna let's use the stay on mom song for a second because I think the audacity of because I worked on on body sprays I was working on acts uh and the audacity of that idea of recognizing who's buying it, yeah, <laughs> and, and and then the audacity, it. <laughs> of, the, the audacity of making it a song, and to making that choice and not making it a cool song, and not making making it a ridiculous song, and then audacity and execution. There are. Um, Moments in that spot that make there make zero sense. There's absolutely no reason that that had to be done that way. But that is, those are the scenes that yeah. I remember. Uh, so that, that to me is a perfect example of huge ambition, audacity and ambition, and then in execution and then audacity in that, because there's so many ways you could have brought that to life to do it in probably the most ridiculous way it could have been brought to life.
1: Yes. And. Uh, a big part of that is to do with the team that you work on, on that work. And I think at that time on Old Spice, you know, getting that brief was like the curse of your career because it's like, they already made everything that was ever going to be made. that was good on that brand. It was like, you could only do something that wasn't going to be as cool as and my partner. And I was like, you know, you have instantly have all kinds of anxiety and it took a long time, actually in multiple rounds of, of concepts going into research and sort of not doing that well, things that we thought were cool that just didn't kind of nail it. And, and I think we just got a lot of time to get that right, which I think is a really, you know, we don't always get now. We worked on a team and I, and I worked with with my partner, Ruth Bellotti, who we, we worked together for a really long time is a ridiculous person as, and always comes with like, the, what's like the, no one has ever seen this photo before her reference like she's just trawling the deepest, darkest, weirdest art director internet. and so um you know she's just got this odd taste so she brings that to it. and you know if you look her up you'll see that she's since of course been a, so like've worked on a lot of things that have got a similar vibe And there's like an experimental, uh, and 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 a like sh- there's a, an insistence on it being odd for her and for that Tino you know, was Craig Allen and Jason Bagley were the creative directors on it, and they just already had a taste for the weirdness, so it had to keep it had to push beyond what had been done. It's like I think back to your you know trying to get that definition. It's like if it was anything that anyone would have expected. wouldn't have been right or just felt somehow unsatisfying and um I think that's the thing with Ruth when when you work with her like she's always gonna she gets restless around ideas that feel too normal
0: I think there is a sense of ridiculous in a lot of the most audacious ideas in the world even you know I feel like everything Elon Musk says is kind of ridiculous (laughs) It just happens to be he like brings it to life and builds it. And yeah, he's flying with Venus or something. But there is this underneath it. It isn't just a uh, like an ambitious spirit and all that. De- there's it's a little bit ridiculous. But I think that ridiculousness creates freedom. If there's a little ridiculous, then you're not. There's no reason to hold it back or put a, a barrier on it or an edge that that would hold it, you know, into a certain place.
1: Yeah, I think there's you have to have a mindset that holds that. If it's not ridiculous, you fail. You know, you have, I think Elon Musk would have that. Like, if it, his ambition is not average. It's beyond what normal, you know, entrepreneurs and thinkers are going for. I think the ridiculous might be just the tone for that brand. It's, a, it's off center.
0: Because I, one of the things I wanted to talk about is when audacity becomes normalcy. Embarrassingly, it wasn't that long ago women having the right to vote in the United States. The audacity Mm -hmm. of that thought for someone to be, to have that audacity of thought that then because they had that, obviously now that that is the norm, it would be audacious now to say women don't have the right to vote. That's the other thing is audacity moves the world forward. Audacity, of course can move it backwards too. Um, Maybe seen some of that recently, but uh, because I think it's the power of audacious thinking, the, it has its own inertia and when you really think that big or that ambitious with it, it pushes things so far. It doesn't inch along, it Mm -hmm. leaps, you know.
1: Great ideas, like audacious ideas, if they are accompanied with just personal, you know, commitment and, you know, a visionary leader and somebody who's, like, really powering it personally, I think that's where things keep moving forward. And, you know, and as I said, backwards. But yeah. um, I think things will gen- generally move in the right direction over time. Yes. That's where our roles come in. You know, they can, you know, you can have an idea that's on a page. It's like ambitious. But in this job, in this industry, great ideas, really inspiring. They need someone. They need people with personal investment, with a personal story, with a personal commitment to move things forward and that's never going to change. There will be no operating system that will replace that and and continue to make the kind of work that really moves people and changes people's hearts and, you know, it's always going to require characters. It's going to require people who are really personally invested always.
0: Yes. I think personal investment and integrity integrity at the center of the audacity and i think the world is it's full of like in a way this was the last thing i really wanted to make sure we talked about is it's such an important element but the world's actually full of it right now it's full of audacious statements and people like it's almost if you're not being absolutely audacious you you aren't seen or heard or don't don't feel as if you're playing uh, an impactful role but the so much of that is does not have what you said, the personal drive at the center or the integrity at the center. Audacity was the goal. Audacity is a way to a goal. And it's having that at, at the center is what makes some things stand out, last, and actually change things when everything else is just empty in the center w- without that integrity, mm-hmm. without that personal drive, I think.
1: Yeah, it's like spectacle for like the t- attention, there's a mission in it. There's something, you know, for other people. We were talking about work before and I was thinking about the work that I've noticed over the years that that captures that kind of concept of audacity. And I think for me, the like the for me as a as a female creative, when when that Dove Real Beauty spot came out where they manipulated the woman's face and put it on the doorbell, I was like, that's just it's so imagine doing that. Imagine being a beauty brand that says, this is what we do to you. This is what we do to you to make you hate yourself and love us. This is what, and it changed, changed everything. It totally changed the industry. It, and it wasn't, it was, there was like a as a sacrifice in that, you know, there's a, re- a huge risk to be a beauty brand that says we did this for, we've done it for years and, and I, but and yeah, it paid off massively. Like, to me, that's like, it's not a spectacle. There's something in it for the audience. I there's, the, there's a deep um, empathy for the audience, and a deep understanding, and a deep sort of affection for the audience to say, "I'm not going to do that to you. You know, I'm going to sort of change the world for you." And which is what happened. Yes. You know, there's a lot of like that. Like in the UK, you can't. There's like a bunch of you can't put. Extra hair in like in hair commercials, like, there's all these like rules, like you can't retouch, and there's you know, there's, it's it's changed the way women see themselves and the way that they see advertising. And I think that's 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 the power that is. I mean, obviously, like, that's advertising got <laughs> in the first place, but uh, you know, there's been other you know, of course, like everyone we everyone's talked about the Nike Kaepernick thing, but to say. To, to do something that they knew that a part a big part of their audience is not going to agree with is pretty phenomenal
0: yes i think that one's a great example of um maybe what i was talking about before about what's the biggest problem you can solve here okay we need to do this but what's the, what is the biggest thing we could possibly go after credibly as a brand um that was a pretty big one
1: yeah, and I think you know Gillette, Gillette uh, was the same. You know, to say we bet men need to be better to a brand that's called the best a men can get is like a very bold thing to do. And again, like one multiple effies is successful.
0: Usually, like when people get into this business, there was something either that drew them in, or there was something early on. And it usually is. Again, thinking of audacity is usually a pretty audacious piece. Can you like? What was it when you were starting out? Can you remember anything when you were coming in or that was brought you in? There's like that. If I could be doing that,
1: no, I. Well, no, I'll tell you. It's a very boring. It's an. It's a very uninspiring story. <laughs> I wanted to be an actor, and uh, I was very, like. All my life, I was in every school play. I was that kid. I was drama kid. I was wrote, wrote plays. I was like, uh, you know, and then when I went to, um, you know, I was coming to the end of high school, I was going, going to an audition. My mom sat me down. She was like, we don't, we're not going to support you in this. We don't think it's a good idea. And you need to think of something else. And I freaked out. I was like, I got it. I just, I didn't know. It was like, I'm, I'm the oldest child. I'm like nerd student. Like I just need, I very much needed their approval. And, and, and I, yeah, I ended up having, I just threw the audition Went and pulled out the, this is like before the internet, pulled out the like job guide. I'm like, what am like <laughs> So is
0: it was an A? You said okay, not acting. Oh, the D is advertising. You went one page over.
1: What am I in? What am I interested? What do I want? I wanted. I still want to do something creative, but I have to do something that's like, you know, like I'm from a really blue collar family. My parents and I didn't I never had any money. I was smart. I was like, really did well at school, and they wanted me to meet my potential. You know, and they were worried about this career that wasn't going to be a career that I was going to be struggling my whole life. And uh, so I pull out the book and I'm like, okay, uh, these are the things that I like doing. And there were like two career options that it costs up, which is like journalist or advertising copywriter. And I was like, oh. so I applied, I got into journalism degree and then I also did a business degree and majors in advertising got the only job at McCann Erickson answering the phone for like two years and writing how ads about houses. And then it's just like, it was, I was terrible for 10 years. I was terrible for 10 years. And then, you know,
0: you got better. I got
1: better. Sometimes I still have a bad day.
0: (laughs) Number one, not a boring story. Number two, definitely started off in a bad place, discouraging you from your dream. But like she might've been like, you're not gonna lie to you. You're doing pretty good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, my parents are like my parents are very. They feel very. Very shocked. vindicated from this. <laughs> CCO of the New York office. Occasionally remind them that they killed my dreams, but it was like the parenting style at the time.
0: Never too late. Never too late. You're in New York City.
1: No, I'm not. Yeah. Right. I'm not. I would never, They were right. I would never would have been good at it.
0: I will tell you. Uh, I when I was in high school, I took two. And you're talking about those job uh, aptitudes. I took, I remember I did it twice because I was not happy with my first result and I did yeah. it again and it gave me the same result. What it said I was most qualified for was Circus Clown.
1: Oh no. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that was the one. Uh, I didn't pursue that, but it's always an option. right
1: anyway, occasionally. In a way,
0: yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's true, it's true. This has been amazing. What is there
1: anything we didn't cover? No, I mean, it's the it's always. I mean, I'll just repeat what I said before. Like the audacity of bringing the personal to it and being vulnerable and 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 creating a company or a space where people can feel safe to do that. I think is the the ultimate goal, right?
0: Yes, yes, perfect. I had such a great time talking with Justine. You can feel her energy around the concept of audacity, and I think that's part of its allure. The world loves the audacious, and it's why it's important your best ideas are fueled by it. And that ends our bonus series based on the creative criteria we use at Gray. Sharing your ideas with the world is not an easy thing, requires bravery and tenacity, and in my mind, the four pillars we discuss in the series. So we hope you enjoyed it, and I know I did. This was our last bonus episode of this series. We thank you for joining us for this journey and for listening to the show. Couldn't do it without you. We'll be back later this year with new episodes and new guests. If you haven't yet, be sure to check out the complete first two seasons of Grey Matter, a podcast about ideas. If you have questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please write to us at podcasts at gray.com. Thanks for listening to this bonus series of Grey Matter. Grey Matter is hosted by John Petroulos, Produced by Joey Scarrillo and Danielle Hunt. Mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Guy Rosemarin with support from post-producer Ned Martin. Additional support by Christina Hyde, John Jenkinson, Grace McDougall, and Ryan Cunningham. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.